Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. As we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord on Easter Sunday, we recognize that as humans, we go to the familiar for all of life. But the empty tomb and the words of the angels will cause us to reconsider as we look to draw near to the risen Lord. You know, when I was younger, my parents were kind enough to hide eggs and hide my basket, right? How many of you grew up with that tradition? So when you would go hunting for eggs and your baskets, where would you go? You would go where you knew to go, right? As a kid, as a five, six, seven, eight year old, I don't know how old you, how far you went, but you would go to the hiding places of your household, right? Behind furniture, closets, all these things. And you know these because kids play hide and seek. You frequent these places when you're growing up and that's where you're going to expect that your parents hid your eggs or hid your basket, right? But when I got to about, I don't know, seven or eight years old, my parents started getting a little bit more creative and they started to hide things in more exotic places, right? I remember one particular Easter morning where myself and my sisters were looking and looking and looking and we were struggling to find our baskets. And this is what I remember. One of our baskets was inside the oven and another one of our baskets was in the dryer. We looked at our parents like, why would you put them in there? Well, you make it a little bit harder for you. For us, who are seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you wouldn't think to look in the dryer. You wouldn't think to look in the oven. You know why? Because when you're seven years old, you don't use the dryer. <laughs> you don't use the oven unless you as a parent have gotten your kids to do laundry and cook at that age. And if so, we need to talk afterwards, okay? <laughs> we really need to talk afterwards. But that's the reality. What we do is we go to familiar places to look for the things that we're looking for. And an Easter egg hunt, an Easter basket hunt, that's very true for us as kids. But as you get older, you realize that life hands you circumstances that you don't have the answers for, right? So what do you do? You go to places that you're familiar with. Just like you go to only the closet or only behind the furniture for an egg hunt, you go to the people you know or the things that you trust for how to deal with it, right? And this can be anything. This can be anything from our purpose. It could be what is good in life, like what, what's a good way to live life, what our comforts, our relationships. Humans just tend to go to the places we're familiar with for answers in these moments. Today, as we read the resurrection account in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 24, some of the disciples who were women that go to the tomb on Easter Sunday, go to a place that they're familiar with. 
And so as we read this, there is an interaction that might cause us to recognize that maybe what we're familiar with isn't where God is. Maybe it's not the best place for us to be, to be searching for answers. So we're going to read in Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bibles or your apps, it will also be on the screen. Because it's Easter and I'm feeling really traditional, let's stand together as we read the gospel account. Luke 24 says this, Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming, bright clothing. And the women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he has been raised. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, rise again. Then they remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Their words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. But Peter ran to the tomb, and when he bent over to look inside, he saw only the linen cloth. Then he returned home, wondering what had happened. You may be seated. When these women go to the tomb, it makes sense. Just on Friday, they saw their Lord die. How many dead people have you encountered walking around lately? And the reality of what they are doing there is they are taking spices to prepare Jesus' body. Because they didn't have funeral homes back in the day. Those who took care of the remains of somebody who, who they loved would be the loved ones. But because they were Jewish, Saturday's a Sabbath. You don't do anything on it. Jesus passed away, died towards the end of Friday. So there was not ample time to prepare his body. That's why they're there on Sunday morning. They're not going there expecting anything miraculous. They're going there to do what they're supposed to do. It's a routine thing that, that they would do in that day and age. And as we have read, they get there. And the stone being rolled away from the tomb is weird. First of all, it's a big stone. But second of all, a lot of thoughts might creep into their heads. What happened? Did the body, was the body taken? And they go in and there's no body there. And what I loved in verse 4 are these words. They didn't know what to make of this. 
goodness gracious, I feel that. <laughs> How many of us have said that? I don't know what to make of this. They're confused. They're worried. They're wondering. They're not thinking any, anything close to resurrection. And then two men in gleaming clothes, angels, messengers from God, show up. And they're terrified. That's a typical thing, by the way. If anybody has ever told you that they've seen an angel in real life, and they say, oh, it was a great experience, don't believe them. Every single time in Scripture an angel shows up, people are terrified. <laughs> ah, what's going on? And if probably, if, if they weren't so terrified in the moment, I have a feeling that sarcasm would have been on the table because the way that the angels talk to them is sort of like how a mom or a dad talks to a kid on the way out the door who haven't gotten their shoes on yet. What do you mean you haven't gotten your shoes on yet? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You feel that, like, a little bit of condescension there. Thanks, angels. Thanks for making me feel better about this, right? If they weren't terrified, I think they'd say, uh, he, 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 he was dead. And as they still could not figure out what was going on, I, I can imagine them hearing the angels saying, he's not here, he's been raised. Just like that, what? That's still that confusion. They don't know what to make of this. And then the angels throw them a bone. They help them out. And this is what they say to him. Remember what he told you in Galilee. Remember what Jesus told you. Throughout Jesus' life, he told these women a lot of things. He did. He was a teacher. He was a prophet. He was a miracle worker. He was a savior. He taught a ton. So you're like, okay, what, what exactly? Remember that he said he would die and be raised. Oh, yeah. He did say that. But at the same time, you can't just isolate what Jesus said just about the resurrection. He also taught immense other things, like how to love people. He also taught that we are not to judge each other. He taught that we are called to love enemies. We are taught to turn the other cheek when we have been hit. And each and every one of these teachings, I guarantee you at some point say, that's nice, Jesus, but that sounds stinking impossible. No way. There's no way I'm forgiving my enemies. There is no way that I walk into a, a marketplace and not judge every person I see by the appearances that they have. There's no way. There's no way that you're going to get me to be slapped and then say, hey, would you do this one too? Everything that Jesus taught seems impossible. 
But right alongside all those other teachings was him saying, I will die and I will raise again. That sounds equally as impossible, if not more impossible. It can really be difficult to imagine what Jesus taught coming to fruition. And yet, he is not in the tomb. He has been raised. And so if the resurrection can happen, then the worst thing that you have ever done in your entire life is forgiven. And I know a lot of us struggle with that. Because we're not very open and honest about the things that we have done wrong, that we elevate to, this is the worst thing I've ever done, and I'll never forgive myself for it. I need to tell you something. Jesus brought forgiveness for everything that we have done. And if he can be raised from the dead, then you can be forgiven of the worst thing you have ever done. It also means, too, that you can love your enemies. But I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want that to be impossible. No, you can. You can have immense joy in the midst of the worst circumstances of your entire life because the resurrection happened, y'all. You can have love for every person on this earth because the resurrection has happened. You can bring peace into a deeply divided and violent world because the resurrection has happened. Jesus came to give us this kind of life, this full life. And I think we struggle to believe that this is the fullest life because we're so used to a chaotic, violent, eye-for-an-eye kind of world. We're used to it. So it's easier just to say, yeah, Jesus was raised, but that doesn't have to be my life. No, when you accept Jesus, he is your life. And all of it becomes real. All of it becomes reality for you and for me. Bishop Barron says this, in light of the resurrection, we know that God's deepest intention for us is life and life to the full. It is a life that is steeped in truth and in forgiveness and in hope and in peace and in joy and in love. But for us to live it, we've got to be open. We got to be open to believing that indeed it is how life is to be. Jason Buckwalter says it this way All you have to do is to be open to the possibility of surprise, to the possibility that God's good news is something more significant and grander than you could have come up with for yourself. 
just got to be open. The reason why this is so difficult, though, is because we're like the women. We're like the disciples. We are familiar with what we're familiar with. We're not used to being peacemakers. We're not used to people being peacemakers. We're not used to people foregoing their selfish ambitions and doing and living in love continuously. We're not used to that. The places that we're familiar with are like an empty tomb. They're places of death. Every single one of us have habits that we turn to in the midst of difficulty. And you know that they're not good habits. We all know that they're not good habits. Whether it be a substance, whether it be uh, just taking it out on somebody else. Maybe you have a habit of lying about things. Maybe you have a habit of getting even. We all have these habits. We all have defense mechanisms when we get hurt. And you know what we do? We end up hurting other people instead of loving and bringing about peace in the world. Every single one of us have things that we turn to when we are feeling lonely, when we're feeling hated, when there's conflict in our lives. And we go to these places because we're familiar with them, but don't go there. We all have the tendency to look for life in places of death mainly because they're familiar to us. We're just like the women going to an empty tomb. Of course Jesus' body is going to be there. Of course this is going to make me feel better. Of course this is going to be the right thing to do even though we know it's not. We all have the tendency to look for life in places of death mainly because they are familiar. Because the reality of it is, is that Jesus wasn't in the tomb. He was out. He was showing himself, appearing to people. He wasn't hanging out in the tomb waiting for them to get there. He was already out visiting those who were grieving. He was already out visiting his disciples. He was already out even visiting enemies of Israel, which means that they would have been enemies of Jesus. He visited enemies of Israel in his post-resurrection appearances. He even visited folks in jail. Jesus doesn't hang out in the place of death. He goes to people who are living their lives in desperate need of life because we live in a world of death. He moved, y'all, from the place of death, his tomb, to those needing life in a world of death. And he gives life to all who will receive him. And that's you and me, too. 2,000 years doesn't have to remove us from that reality. We still live in a world of sin and death. How many of y'all watched the news this past week? Yeah, you're happy, aren't you? Not. There's nothing great about it. 
You see the sin and death continuously on a local level, on an international level. We need life in this world of death. And He's here. He is alive. We just have to receive Him. So to those of you who've always wanted to believe in Jesus, but really have never had that kind of faith, haven't taken that leap, have never prayed, have never, just because it just sounds so pie in the sky, so idealistic, doesn't seem like it's possible, I want you to hear something. Jesus is alive and is waiting for you to receive and believe in everything about him, not just the resurrection, every teaching and every way that he lived. If you've, ever, if you've ever thought to yourself, I can never be forgiven for the worst thing that I have done in my entire life, I'm telling you, it's possible, and it comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. How do I know that? Because I have been forgiven because he did raise from the grave. And so if you are that person who don't, doesn't know what to do or what to believe, I ask you today, when we close our time in prayer, this is what you do. Just cry out to God, say, I need you, and I believe you, and I turn my life to you. And I'm here to tell you, when you do that, you'll get to know Jesus, and the way of living will come. You just have to turn to him and believe that everything that he did, everything that he said, everything that he has given to us is real. For those of us who have believed in Jesus for a long time, the challenge to us is, are you going to the places you're familiar with that are actually places of death in your life? Are you turning to the thing that you know that you think will make you feel better, but then the day after you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that? Are you falling into these same patterns of behavior only because you just want to rely on yourself instead of going to Jesus? He is waiting for you to come to him for everything, y'all. When your coworker acts a fool to you, when your kids are testing your patience that much more, when that family member doesn't want to talk to you, even when you go out and, and basically intentionally do a wrong just because it's what you do, Jesus is waiting with open arms. Jesus is waiting with life and grace and love for you. Go back to him. Don't be, going, don't be searching for empty tombs for life. Go to the one who is risen and is living today. Long gone are my days of hunting eggs on Easter. But you know what, as an adult, you know what I hunt for? I hunt for answers. I hunt for ways to make sense of the things that I experience. 
Like whenever the women, whenever it says that they had trouble making sense of all of this, I feel that in my bones. I remember thinking, hey, as I get older and more experiences, I'll be able to figure this stuff out. Uh Uh-uh. And even if you look at where we've been at for even the past two years, everybody liked to say unprecedented at the beginning of the pandemic. Remember that? It's so unprecedented. No, it isn't. We had pandemics way before. We had division way before. All of this stuff, if you look at history, it's almost like a circle. It just acts a little bit differently than it did before. Guess what? That ain't going to make you feel better either. Because then you come to the realization, oh, we didn't learn from history. We have not learned. History does not give you hope. Learning doesn't give you hope. Only the one who has been raised gives you the kind of hope and the direction to make sense of this world. So don't be go hunting for answers in places of death. Be hunting for the one who has been raised. And I'm telling you, you will find him. You will find him here. You will find him at any point in your week. He's not just found in a walls of, of a church. He's found in the person that you probably don't want to ever listen to. You'll be surprised on how much God can work through somebody that you don't particularly like. God is, Jesus is with you and is out there around every corner. Seek and you will find him because he is alive. And he is giving life to you in this world of death. He is giving you a way to live in this world of death. Just have to trust him, believe, and live as he did. And his kingdom will continue to come. A kingdom of life and resurrection instead of a life, a kingdom of sin and death. So may we, y'all, be the ones willing to turn to him, remembering what he has taught, remembering what he has done, and make it so in our own lives. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.